I was born on 16th of April 1972 at the Queen Victoria Hospital in Morecambe. I was delivered using forceps and weighed eight pounds six ounces, most of which was made up by my huge head. I was basically pulled out of my mother by an enormous set of mole grips. Apparently, back in the early 70s, the normal thing to do was to put you in an incubator when you first arrived. When they carried me back to me mum, after I'd been cleaned up and sorted out, she took one look at me and said, What's that? I had a massive head which, even after half an hour in the incubator, was still covered in marks from the mole grips. They told her I clearly hadn't wanted to come out yet, and that it had taken a fair bit of work to pull me out. Me and my mum still laugh about how shocked she must have been when she realised she'd given birth to a baby with a moon head. Less than two miles from the hospital was 52 Granville Road, the McGuinness family home at the time. A three-bedroom terraced house. It's two streets back from the promenade in Morecambe and less than ten minutes from where you catch the ferry to the Isle of Man. My dad, John McGuinness Sr., was working on the tools in a bike shop in Morecambe when I was born. My mum, Christine, has always worked. She's a Trojan, a proper grafter. She worked at a place called Cannon Hygiene, managing toilet rubbish facilities and chemicals. I can't remember too much about the early days, but from what I've been told, I spent a lot of my time getting dropped off at my nana's house while my mum and dad were out working. The connection I had with my nana was massive, and I suppose it started before I can even remember. Three years after I was born, my brother Andrew came along, we shared a room, had bunk beds, and spent a lot of time together. But it was clear from an early age that he was a bit of a nutter. He was the kind of kid who, if we went to the zoo, would have his hand over the fence trying to stroke a tiger. He was just fearless. I found him once floating face down in Sandyland swimming pool on the beach in Morecambe. He was just a toddler and had clearly climbed in for a little swim, unaware of the dangers. I don't think my mum or anyone else had realised that he was in there. I'd like to be able to say I leapt in and pulled him out like a hero, but in fact, I just pointed and shouted, Look, Mum, Andrew's swimming. My mum leapt in without a thought and pulled him out in a flash. Who knows how close to drowning he was? He would climb anything, set fire to everything, and generally cause carnage wherever he went. If he wasn't sticking pencils up our Alsatian's nose, he was trying to ride the thing round the house. We had a decorator round once who was a bit nervous of Sam, he kept asking if the dog was going to bite him and jumped any time it walked near him. Eventually, he got to work up a ladder, scraping a wall or whatever, when I heard this guy screaming in agony. I guess the dog had finally bitten him and went running in to see what was going on. He was screaming at us to get the dog off him. But when I ran into the room, it was my baby brother who had his teeth buried in the painter's arse. We had to peel him off. Andrew was a loving kid, though. As soon as he could speak, he would tell me that he loved me. He still does now when I see him. I'm a bit weird when it comes to expressing myself to anyone, apart from my wife and kids. But Andrew's never had a problem with it. I know without a doubt that he'd fight to the death to defend me. He's never lost the fiery side he had as a kid. Take his first day at Sandyland's primary school, for example. It's a fairly big deal for most kids. It was for our Andrew, too at least for the hour that he lasted before he was sent home for trashing the classroom. The teacher who sent him home was called Mrs Benstead, and I think she was too weak to deal with him. He needed keeping in check, and he needed someone with some patience to help bring him on. She didn't have it in her to stick with him, and gave up before she'd even given him a chance. 
I often wondered if that first day at school was the trigger that set him off on a path that he's never really been able to get off. He's had his problems to deal with over the years, fought with his own demons, and I wish I could turn the clock back for him. It's hard to work out if my earliest memory is genuine or just an image lodged in my brain from looking at pictures of myself when I was a kid. Either way, there's a motorbike in there, obviously. Real memory or not, I brimmed the fuel tank on my Italjet 50 with water when I was three years old. I thought it would run on it when I'd used all the petrol that was in the tiny tank. My dad went mental at me and turned it upside down like you would with a BMX when you have to put the chain back on. But he had to drain all the water out of it and he gave me a bollocking while he sorted it out. We had no childminder or anything, so when my dad went to work at his garage, if I wasn't at my nana's house, I'd go with him and just hang around. While he was spannering backs or talking to customers, I'd be sticking...